So thank you, Bernie. And uh, I got my daughter with me tonight. She loves it when I single her out in front of everybody. Wave, hi, come on, wave. She's my little armor bearer. I tell her I take her with me so no one takes my lunch money. And she's been, uh, she travels with me when I speak at churches, and she's been to Nicaragua with me a couple of times. She went to the Philippines, and, uh, but I wouldn't let her go to Australia because you gotta go to school. And we just got back from Australia uh, one week ago today, as a matter of fact. And so I'm back to the land of the living. I'm adjusting to this time. And it was quite the uh, experience coming back on election day. Thank God that's over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Politics. You know, it comes from the Greek word poly, meaning many. Ticks are blood-sucking creatures. <laughs> All right? No offense to any would-be or current politicians out there. We need godly men and women in places of office. But it doesn't matter who's in the White House because he's always on the throne. Amen? And... Uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a good trip. It was a very fruitful trip. We had over 300 decisions for Jesus Christ. And yeah. Got to, I, yes, I did eat a kangaroo. Those Australians are crazy. I told them, you guys eat your national symbols. I said, if I had a, an eagle, I'd do 15 years in prison. They just asked, ah, no problem, mate. Yeah, we can eat it. It's all good. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Pastor Bernie, before I left, he asked me to speak on gentleness of all subjects, and, and uh, I'm not, I've been known to, been called many things, but gentleness is not one of them, or gentle, and so this was a good stretch for me. And the fruit of the Spirit, to see a fruit of the Spirit in a person's life is not an evidence of your position in Christ, because it's faith that gets your position with Jesus Christ. But fruit of the Spirit, evident in your life, is a byproduct of your abiding in him. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, he who abides in me will bear much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so if a good fruit check or fruit inspection is to see where's your relationship with God. And the Bible says in Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. My first encounter with the fruit of this Spirit was in the, probably one of the worst times in my life. I was on the run. I had just gotten apprehended in Florida. For those of you who don't know my testimony, I spent 11 years in prison for a bank robbery that I committed when I was 16, or illegal withdrawal from a financial institution, if you want to put a white collar pen to it. And uh, long story short, I got out and went right back into the same type of behavior that got me in prison in the first place. So I was on the run, and I got busted, I was in jail in Florida, and I was a young man who was full of hatred and anger. Anger was my only emotion, that was my go-to emotion. And I had gotten in a fight with the whole cell block, I got my nose broke, and bo both of my eyes were blackened, and uh, they came to pick me up and take me to 
Indiana because I had committed a, America's dumbest criminal crime down there in Indiana. You guys want to hear it? All right. I got first-hand knowledge of it. We robbed a gas station that was directly across the street from the Boone County Sheriff's Department <laughs> or the Boone County Jail. And the owner of said gas station was the former sheriff himself. And it was two blocks down from the state police headquarters. So I was expecting when these guys were going to come and get me that I, I was going to get the business, you know? I love law enforcement. I've got utmost respect for them. As a matter of fact, I'm very honored that our team is currently working with several law enforcement agencies in the schools, trying to help them with their public image. And uh, so hopefully that was a change in leadership. That'll change too. But I was expecting them to send the boys to give me the business. I expected some guys that were all straight and rough and because my experience with law enforcement had been rough my whole life. But these men, I found out later, were believers. Two of them were believers. And they treated me in such a kind way. I mean, they, they got the handcuffs on me and they're asking me, am I okay? And can we do anything for you? And, and uh, come on, you know, do you want anything to eat? And I'm like, uh-oh. They softened me up for the kill here. Uh, they're gonna, probably gonna pull over any minute and, you know, because then they told me what I had done because I didn't know the crime that I committed. I didn't know where it was located until I got to Florida. And, uh, but they, they genuinely showed empathy and compassion for me because I think they noticed my brokenness. Uh, yeah, I was a big, strong, violent criminal, but I was a broken man inside. My heart was broken. I was at the end of my rope, and I, and, and I had my guard up, and the guard in my heart, and, and I was ready for anything. I was ready for a fight, but, but the way they treated me with gentleness, it disarmed me. It brought my walls down, and it wasn't too long after that that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I believe that they were the catalysts. Yeah, yeah. They, they opened the door of my heart so that I would hear him clearly and I was able to receive Jesus Christ. You can read about the whole story in my book, I'm More Than a Conqueror, you can pick it up in the bookstore. But, and, uh, so it was, but these guys, these were not weak people. These were trained fugitive hunters. They were anything but weak in physical appearance or in their abilities. I mean, if I wanted to start a fight with them, they could have handled it, trust me. <laughs> I would have been biting off a lot more than I could chew. And uh, it's not about being weak, but it's how we handle other people's weakness. That's what gentleness is about, the fruit of the spirit. It's not about being weak or, oh, you're being gentle, traipsing through daisies and playing with bunny rabbits. It's not, it's not like that. To be honest with you, when Bernie first said that, gentleness is the first picture that came to my head. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> He knew what he was doing, though. Um, Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know, it's unfortunate, but in the church, people are treating other people with harshness. They come at them with the law a lot of times. Because, you know, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be shining the light. We're supposed to be examples. We're walking sermons. 
that people can see the love of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't do a very good job of doing that, of showing the fruit of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we have to handle people fragile, fragile. <laughs> As Pastor Scott was talking to me here, fragile. It's getting to the season. I know the Christmas story, it's coming up, and the lamp, the leg, and the Buford next door, the dogs, all that. It's all good. Um, but we, we can't be moved by people's outward appearance. Because the harder they are on the outside, I guarantee the softer they are on the inside. Guaranteed. The more anger and, and hatred that you see spewing out of their mouth, the more hurt and pain is on the inside. Hurt people hurt other people. Now, imagine if we were at a football game and it was Dallas against Detroit or, well, maybe somebody different. Maybe San Francisco. <laughs> and they're lined up on the 50-yard line and they're getting ready to spike the ball and they're all ready to go. They're ready to tear each other's head off and all of a sudden, somebody strolls a baby out onto the field. I guarantee the game would stop. And you, the, the news cameras would probably be all in a frenzy because you see one of these guys gently pick up that baby and carry him off the field. They, only, they ain't gonna just keep on going with the game because they know that there's fragile, there's somebody who's weak in their midst, so they're gonna take care of that. And that's the picture that we should see whenever we see somebody who's hurt or who's broken. Or a brother or a sister who gets caught up in a trespass. You know, we're so good at shooting our wounded in the army of Christ. It's unfortunate, but I've seen it several times over. We should be thinking restoration, healing, reconciliation. Amen? Gentle means not harsh or violent, not hard or forceful, not strong or harsh in effect or quality. Religion is hard, it's harsh, and it's forceful. And there's a huge difference between religion and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in prison for about three years and I was walking with the Lord. I recently got baptized with the Holy Spirit about a year before that. And I was on fire for the Lord. I would get up, I was in Jackson State Penitentiary. It's like, you know, the old school with the cages and, and four galleries. And I was on the fourth gallery and I was a porter. I had the job, I could get out and I could sweep the floors, mop the floors. I had, I had pretty much a lot of freedom because of my position. And I would get up every morning and I would seek the Lord and I'd get on my face and I'd say, Lord, I'm here. What would you want me to do today? And he said, you know Strewsbury down at the end of the gallery? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to say hi to him. I'm like, you want me to say hi to him? I said, God, you know how that guy is, man. You want me to say hi to him? I want you to say hi to him. So I'm going down there and I'm sweeping and I see him sitting on his bunk and I said, hey, how you doing? And he said, I was like, all right. So the next morning I get up. I'm on my face. I'm praying. I'm asking God, all right, God, I'm here. I'm your servant. I'm ready to do whatever you want. What would you have me do today? He said, go say hi to Strewsbury again. I said, God, 
You remember how it turned out last time? <laughs> it wasn't, I, I, was, uh, I, I was trying to renegotiate that deal there, but it wasn't working very good. He said, I want you to go say hi to him. So I went down there again. I'm sweeping down the gallery, and I said, hey, Shrewsbury. Same thing. And, uh, you know, it says to lay hands on no man suddenly. I was going to do it slow and methodically. <laughs> I was about this close. <laughs> and uh, so I did this every day. It was my daily assignment to just say hi to this guy. And finally, after about four months, instead of getting a slurry of profanity back, he said, hey, how are you doing? And I stood there shocked for a minute, and I said, okay, better keep going. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin that moment, you know? And, and then I started to have conversations with this guy, and I found out that he had been so hurt by religion. He grew up in a church where when he messed up, his mom and his dad would whip him and make him read Bible scriptures while they were whipping him. And he had such a hatred for God in his heart. And he, he told me, he said, he said, I don't know what it is about you, but you were persistent. He said, every morning you'd bug me, you'd always say hi. And I started to be able to have conversations with him. You see, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get beyond the barriers of people's lives. You got to spend some time with him. You got to go after him. And then, about almost a year, it was about man, maybe ten months later, I was standing with my hands in his hands in the cell, and I was leading him, leading him to Christ, Jesus, and he accepted Jesus Christ. Yeah. You see, and, and that, was, that began the passion in me for souls to win people to Christ Jesus. And I start, I'd wake up every morning, I'd say, all right, who's on the hit list, Lord? I didn't write it down, though, because if I figured if I got shook down, they think it might be a literal hit list. <laughs> so no, it's not that kind of hit list. It's a Holy Ghost hit list. So I was going after these guys. I was, I was on a mission. And gentleness disarms people. A soft answer or a gentle answer turns away wrath. A soft, gentle approach. You can be big and strong. Trust me, people, I, I, they think I'm scary. And I can't figure it out. I keep forgetting sometimes I weigh 295 pounds and break bricks for a living. You know, we do bricks with our forearms and our elbows. Some of you guys have seen it. I've even broke bricks with my head. But I can tell you after years of doing that, it has no det detrimental effects. <laughs> Just Gentleness disarms the walls that people put up, the barriers. It lets you get in. The scripture says to be cunning as serpents, yet gentle as doves. Amen? Now I see a hard person, it's a challenge to me. I said, oh, you must want to get saved or something, huh? Amen? Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
You see, when, when, you, when you handle somebody, something that's Gentile or fragile, the outward, it may not look that fragile. Maybe pretty sturdy, but you know the contents are very fragile. So you hand it, handle it gingerly with care. And that's how we need to handle people. We need to handle them with care. We can't be going like religious people and pharisaical and saying we love Jesus and stuff. And we're just kicking people around all the time. Oh, man. Can't believe you did that. You're going to go to hell now. Huh? Now, it may be true, yeah. Somebody, if they don't know Jesus, they are heading to hell. But the object is to get them from going there. Amen? Don't tell them something they already know. Deep in their heart, they may not know how to articulate it, but they know they are. Oh, you rotten sin and mug. That's what we do when we look down at people. We need to handle others the way God handles us. I tell you, I've known Jesus for a while, and I've never heard him ever say an insulting word to me, not one time. Not one time. In my deepest, darkest moments, when I have royally messed up, and trust me, I've messed up royally, I have heard nothing but loving, kind, gentle words from my Father God. He doesn't know how to be any other way. It's his nature. He loves us so much. And he treats us with gentleness. Now, correction, I've been corrected in a lovingly way. But he's never said anything insulting to me. He's never said, man, I'm sick of dealing with you. <laughs> Go talk to somebody else. You see, gentleness... We need to look at people. We need to get down on their level instead of looking down on them. We need to look at, at them. Proverbs 25, verse 15. When one is slow to anger, a ruler may be won over. A gentle tongue will break a bone. Now, I've uh, been practicing Krav Maga for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Got a crowd practitioner back there. And uh, it, you, wanna, you wanna talk about, it, it's some brutal stuff. I mean, it's, it's combative tactics, it's uh, joint locks and knife disarms, and, and uh, the test is like two and a half hours of pure brutality. And the, the, our, my instructor, this guy is like the real deal Jason Bourne, I'm telling you. He'll ginsu you in a minute. He trains people like the Secret Service, FBI, wrote MCOLs for all the law enforcement. And this dude knows everything. I mean, he is a walking weapon. But he trains us in verbal de-escalization tactics. I, I tell people, go ahead and try to get him to say something mad. Try to get him angry at you. The guy is just like... He, he's, he's always got soft answer, and he can disarm anybody without lifting a finger. Now, he's a giant, trust me. He's a dangerous guy. But he knows the power of his words. He knows how to use words 
to bring peace to people. He knows how to disarm people. Now I said, you gotta teach me how to do that in my marriage. <laughs> when we have intense fellowship. <laughs> we don't argue, we have intense fellowship at times. I can say that because my wife's not here. But the tongue, life and death are in the power of the tongue. There are more people that I come across in my travels. I speak at a lot of churches. I've been to a lot of countries. It's the same in every culture. And I meet so many people who are hurt and broken by religion or pharisaical people. But I'm here to tell you the Lord is doing something and when he does something, he starts with his church. He starts with his people. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle and he's doing some ironing right now. Amen? Um, there's a story one time I was in Cambodia and uh, we were having, I mean, it was crazy how many people were getting saved, but God was showing up with signs and wonders and everything. And uh, there was this one little girl who was totally deaf. She's never heard in her whole life. And everybody in their excitement and their zeal because they were praying and people were getting healed and, and bones were getting mended, crippled people were walking and everything. And, and they're around this girl and they're surrounding this girl. And they're speaking to her and saying, oh, and she's, I could tell she's just terrified because there's all these big people. So I went in there and, and I just got down on my knees and I got below her and I just took her by the hands and I was just like, it's okay, it's okay, even though she couldn't hear me. And just, just got her to quit looking at everybody else. And they had been praying and pleading the blood and speaking the word and everything. And, and we were just sitting there and, and I just said, Father, I just thank you that you open up her ears. And then she said, bah, bah, started making noise. You see, even in our zeal and our, in our passion, we have to be careful of how we handle people. People are fragile on the inside, especially baby Christians. Amen? <laughs> I like that crowd back there. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Proverbs 25 I mean, uh, 2 Timothy 2.24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, and patient. Gentleness and patience go hand in hand. That's not one of my natural strong points, patience. I often tell my wife, I'm not a doctor. I don't have too many patients. <laughs> I may have caused a few in my time, but I don't have any. <laughs> but Jesus is the biggest giant you'll ever meet. He's the most powerful man that ever walked the face of this planet. He reigns on high. He oversees everything. He's got so much power, but he is the gentlest person when you put a heart into his hands. 
And there are so many people in the church who are hurting because of words that were spoken to them. You know, when I was growing up, I dealt with the pain of my father. My father spoke words to me that were very hurtful. He said things to me like, you're nothing, you're worthless, I can't, ever, I can't even believe I had you. Those things hurt me big time. And we do an illustration when we're doing school assemblies or something. I'll have one of my teammates, and I'll say, I'll say, say it was Eric. You guys met Eric, Veterans Day? Yeah, woo-hoo. Mm, it's a good brother. And, I, and I'll say, say he was going to hit me in the arm as hard as he could, and he'll haul off like he's going to hit me. I'll say, just, just, just demonstrate. And he'll, bam. And I'll say, if he was to hit me in the arm with all of his strength and all of his might, I'd have the largest, ginormous bruise on my arm. But you know what happened? The bruise would go away. I'd forget about it a week later. As a matter of fact, I've had so many bruises and cuts, I can't tell you where they are because I forget about them. But if somebody was to sit there and insult me or cut me down, especially somebody who's close to me that I know, it would hurt me on the inside just like a bruise. The only difference is a week would go by, months, sometimes years, and the pain of those words would still be there. And there are so many people in the church that I've met who are hurting inside because of the words that other people spoke to them. And it's usually by somebody who's close to you. Because trust me, you can have, anybody can call me all kinds of names and it won't bother me. Now, back in the day, I'd have a little, in my BC days, I'd have a little different reaction. But if it's somebody who I have given a place in my life or, or I've developed a bond or relationship with, if they say something hurtful, they, it, can really, it can really take you down. And then you start to meditate on those words. And, and you know, we have to be gentle with other people, but the person that we need to be gentle with more than anything is ourselves. We treat ourselves so harshly. I often tell people, you don't have to worry about the devil. The devil, he's like, oh, they're, they're doing a good job destroying their own self. I don't need to get involved. <laughs> Woo! These negative conversation, these negative tapes that we have going in our heads. You know, they say a person can speak between 300 to 500 words per minute. I think it's a little bit more on the female side. than it is on the male side. <laughs> I had that one coming. That's not going to be it. And then uh, people can hear 1,500 words per minute. 1,500 words per minute. They can listen to and process 1,500 words per minute. But people can internally, their conversation within, they can do about 15,000 words per minute. So the greatest amount of conversation that a person has is internal. Why is that? Because people see in pictures. When you speak a word, it, it paints a picture in your mind. And when you're sitting there rehearsing all, the, all your negatives, all your faults, all your failures, I'll never be able to do it, I can't do it, and you're going over the words that people have spoken to you negatively, negatively, you're being harsh with your own self. You need to be gentle with yourself. 
As a matter of fact, let's everybody bow your heads and close your eyes right now. If you're here in this place, and the reason I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes is because I want you to get alone with the one place where you think no one sees or hears what's going on in your heart. But I'm here to tell you God does. He knows. He sees. He knows your pain. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Because one day, one way, Every single one of us, we're going to leave these bodies. We're going to stand before God, creator of heaven and earth. He's not going to whip out cosmic scales, put all your good deeds and church attendance and prayer meetings and small groups he attended on one side, put all your sins and faults and failures on the other and see which one weighs out more. He's going to look every single one of us directly in the eyes. He's going to ask us one question, one question only. Do you know my son? And does my son know you? That's the question. And if your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts right now, if you can't answer with all honesty, yes, I know him. I'm in a relationship with the living God. You may know a lot about him. You may have attended church, but you don't really know him. Or maybe you're away from God. Other things have come in, snuffed the life out of that relationship. You're far from God. God's not mad at you. He's saying, come back to me, son. Come back to me, daughter. No one looking around. If you're in either of those positions, I just want you on the count of three, simply raise your hand and raise it high. One, two, three. Slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. Awesome. Awesome. I see that hand. Wow. Is there anybody else? All right, you can put your hands down. Those of you who raised your hands... Repeat this prayer with me. It's a simple decision you make with your heart and you speak with your mouth. And church, would you pray along with those who made this decision tonight? Say, dear Jesus, this night, I give you my heart. All that I am, all that I have, I freely surrender to you because I believe that you died. For me, for my sin. And I have sinned, God, against you and against my fellow man. But tonight, I repent. I turn my back. I'm living for myself. And from this night forward, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big round of applause, huh? Now, if you're here and you got some wounds and you're struggling on the inside, some people have said some things to you, you feel, I know by the Holy Spirit there's some people in here right now. Come on up here right now. Just come on up here. Come on. Come on up here. If you're struggling inside with unforgiveness, with, with hurt that people at the hands of somebody else, come on, right up here. Come on up here. 
Ooh-wee. Come on. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. Everybody here loves you. Come on. There's like four more people. Four more people. Only four? Yep. There's four more people that are supposed to be up here. There you go. Come on. Oh, wait. There's too many coming down now. <laughs> Come on up here. Right on. Right on. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's, there's freedom up here. There's freedom. You put your faith behind. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on, let's give them a round of applause, church. It takes guts to come up here. Come on. Is there one more? All right, everybody look up here for a minute. I want to explain something to you. Forgiveness. Is, is, is powerful, okay? Unforgiveness is like this. If you, let's say you did something to me, you really hurt me bad, right? Like a and I, yeah, like a cancer. And I said, oh yeah, you're gonna do that to me? You see this cup of poison? Uh, here, take that. Forgiveness does not justify what they did to you, but it says that I'm not gonna let what you did to me have a hold in my life anymore. You're choosing to release them. If you're hurting inside and you're struggling with things because of words that people said to you, the best thing you can do is forgive them. And it doesn't mean you're going to feel goosebumps and, and feel loving toward them right away, but you're making a decision. It's an act of faith saying, I'm choosing to release those people. I'm letting them go. Does everybody understand that? And I want to ask you another question. Are you willing to pray for that person or people for the next 30 days? It may start off with just, Lord, bless them. <laughs> it may start like that. You're willing to pray for them? Because you're going to experience freedom like you've never experienced before. There's no more stronghold for the enemy. Unforgiveness is like putting an ownership sign on your heart. The enemy has a stake in your life. Are you ready? This is what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and when I say I choose to forgive, I'm going to stop, and I want you to name them, name whoever it is. You can say it out loud, but you got to name it, and so you choose, and then we're going to finish with prayer, okay? All right? Say, Father God, I thank you so much that you love me enough to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me a new creature. And Father God, there's people that have hurt me. And I've been hanging on to it. But tonight, I choose to release them. Father God, I choose to forgive. Go ahead, name them. Let's finish this prayer with this. Say, Father, I thank you for healing my heart for restoring wholeness to my heart, to my soul. From this day on, from the, for the next 30 days, 
I commit to pray for those who have abused me, those who have hurt me. Father, forgive them. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big round of applause.